Welcome to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. In today's episode, we're going to explore the history of how Michigan transformed from a territory into a state. In my first episode, I talked about General William Hull as being the first territorial governor of Michigan, who served between 1805 to 1813. Prior to the territory of Michigan being established, it was within the territory of Indiana, which was a large section of land that spanned not only the state of present-day Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, as well as parts of Minnesota, and even parts of Iowa. Before that, uh, it also included Ohio, and it was known as the Northwest Territory, formed under the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, which we're going to explore a little bit further later in this episode. So that's just a little bit of preamble to some of the history here. The second territorial governor was Lewis Cass, and he was appointed by President Madison on October 29, 1813. Now, as a young man in Ohio, he studied law and became an attorney, and he was also elected as a prosecuting attorney in the state of Ohio, and he later served in the legislature. In 1812, he'd been commissioned a colonel in the Ohio Regiment and served seeing action at the Canadian border and eventually uh, achieved the rank of Brigadier General during the War of 1812. And as that conflict drew to a close, he was appointed as the governor of the Michigan Territory. When Cass came into office, the Michigan Territory was still under the system of government established under the Ordinance of 1787, also known as the Northwest Ordinance, which outlined the process for admitting a new state into the Union and essentially guaranteeing that the newly created Created states would be equal to the original 13 states. So the ordinance not only established the Northwest Territory, but it also outlined the steps to achieve statehood for these newly formed territories. So under that system of government, the governor and the judges were all appointed by the president of the United States, and they were the supreme authorities within the limitations defined in the ordinance. So just before the War of 1812, the population in the Michigan Territory area was less than about 5,000 people. Between 1810 to 1820, the population in the territory had nearly doubled. By 1823, the second step in territorial government was taken to move the process forward. And this is when the people elected by popular vote 18 councilmen, from which nine of those were selected by the president and Governor Cass and recommended to the Senate for confirmation. So the process that was outlined in the Ordinance of 1787 said that the people would elect 18 candidates, and from that pool of 18 candidates, Nine would be chosen by the president and the governor of the territory and recommended to the U.S. Senate. The territory then remained under the control of the governor and the council, and that was appointed and confirmed, as stated up to this point, up until 1827, at which time the exclusive power of choice was given to the people. This last step would carry the people to the third grade or third step in the territorial government process outlined 
in the Ordinance of 1787. So by 1832, the federal census on the Michigan Territory gave the population of Michigan as 32,538. Governor Cass in 1831 was made a member of Andrew Jackson's presidential cabinet, so George Porter of Pennsylvania was appointed to succeed him. Now, Governor Porter did not arrive in Michigan for nearly a year after his appointment was set. In the meantime, the desire for statehood was growing among the people, and in 1834, it took the form in the shape of a memorial to the Congress by the Territorial Council for the passage of an act to enable them to proceed to form a state constitution and organize a state government. Now, a long drawn out controversy with Ohio began at that point over the southerly border of Michigan, which this controversy involved not only the governments of Ohio and the forming one in Michigan, but it also involved the president, his cabinets, both houses of Congress, and together with the governors and the people of the, the existing states. So this delayed the admission of Michigan into the Union. And at one point, it actually threatened a very serious collision of arms between Ohio and Michigan. Congress finally settled the difficulty by granting Ohio's claim of the 10-mile strip in dispute, giving it to Ohio, and giving Michigan, in exchange, the Upper Peninsula. So in the meantime, Michigan had held their own convention, framed a constitution, elected a governor and other state officers, a legislature, and two United States senators and a member of Congress. So basically all the machinery and organizational structure was voted in and established, but they couldn't move forward and start acting as a state until this whole machinery and construction that they'd set up to operate as a state had been passed by Congress. That was essentially done on the 26th day of January, 1837, when Michigan was duly admitted as the 26th state into the Union. So that's kind of the story in a quick summary from how Michigan went from being part of the Northwest Territory to the Indiana Territory to being set up as the Michigan Territory and how it progressed into statehood. A lot of the transition period occurred under Governor Cass. The final stretch occurred under a few temporary governors and also Governor Porter. Many years before Michigan became a state, however, the territory in 1819 was allowed the privilege of electing a delegate to Congress, and they did so in 1819. But I'm going to get into that in the next podcast, which will also discuss the formation of the territorial roads. So thank you for listening today, and be sure to uh, check out my YouTube channel at Michael Delaware. Just search that on YouTube, and you should certainly be able to find it. You can also visit my website at michaeldelaware.com. And once again, thank you for joining me on Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past.